Welcome to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. Did you know that listeners like you are helping to make these podcasts possible? Let us know that our podcasts are important to you by showing your support today. Visit stjosemaria.org slash give. Today in the podcast, The Humanity of Jesus. Father Peter Armenio, a priest of Opus Dei, invites us to reflect on why God is called the Word and why the humanity of Jesus Christ is such a unique and shocking truth of Christianity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Our conversation with Jesus is basically an extension of the first meditation, which is that we are children of God. But officially, the topic is the humanity of Jesus. Now, the humanity of Jesus, the entire gospel, we're going to just uh, pray about these revolutionary words of St. John's gospel. His first few verses of his gospel (coughs) is dramatically different than anything else in the entire Bible. In fact, it's rather startling. We're used to it because we're Christian. But what's startling, first of all, is that our one God is more than one person. And that's the first revelation, that God the Father is not the only person who is one God. Don't try to understand it. If my meditation has led you to understand this, I'm in big trouble, okay? You're not supposed to understand it, so please don't understand this. All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. All right, so you have God and a Word. And the Word was God. That's different. All right? You got God, and then you have a word with God. We could handle that. You know, Maybe God had a few things to say. But now, this mysterious word is God too. What is all this about? And then the gospel continues and says this word is the absolute meaning of every human being. This word can be described as the light of every individual and the life of every individual. So things become much more mysterious. And then the clincher is, we recite it every Sunday, through him all things were made. And without him was anything made that was made. translation from the Greek, that 
absolutely everything was made through this <laughs> word. What is all this about? Now, a mystery of faith doesn't mean total darkness, and a mystery of faith doesn't mean that we don't try to penetrate the mystery. There's always some light. It's not total darkness. Why is God called Word? Doesn't that come across a little bit strange? God is Word? And it seems like that there's at least two persons who are one God. At the end of the Gospel, you're going to discover there's three persons. But anyway, let's stick to two right now. What is a word as opposed to a sound? Dogs make sounds. Birds make sounds. Chirping sounds, barking sounds, growling sounds, hissing sounds, in the case of an iguana. A word is an expression of an idea. I am, you could, hopefully you could detect that I'm speaking English. It may not be the Queen's English, but it's English, right? And if you're awake, someone will say, well, what was the meditation about? And you may summarize the meditation. Why? Because those sounds leaving my voice box are ideas expressed in sounds, which we call language. Again, why is God called word? All right, well, this, this word is associated with an idea because that's what a word is. A word is an expressed idea. This St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas explained this. If I, going from the sublime to the ridiculous, I've tried my luck with pasta carbonara, all right? And, you know, between my Cabanaro in my days in Italy and some of my cook friends and watching my idea of pasta cabanara is pretty good. And if the circumstances are such, when you try it out, hopefully you'll say, you're right, your idea of pasta cabanara is on target. Give me seconds, please. All right. Or you chemistry majors or you history majors, if you get good grades, it means that your idea of chemistry or your idea of, of, of history squares with history and squares with chemistry. If the grade is below average, that means that the idea needs to be perfected. It's not exactly corresponding to the reality of that branch of chemistry or that branch of history. Stay with me. God the Father. Just imagine, no creation, nothing. 
just God the Father, forms one idea. The, the right word is generates one idea. Don't forget, God's spirit. That idea of himself lacks nothing in perfection. So if that idea of himself is perfect, that idea of himself is an actual person. And that is why God the Son is called Word. God the Father generates a reflection of himself that is so perfect that, it is a, that is a, it's another divine person. And you're going to say, I don't get it. Great. Okay? I haven't spouted off heresy then. All right, we're not going to do holy, too much of Holy Spirit right now, but his, this love between the Father and the Son is so perfect that that bond of love is personified, and that's called the Holy Spirit. But stick to the Word. Now let's ask another question in prayer. We've got the Word of God sacramentalized in the tabernacle. Jesus Help us out here, because this has to have practical value. I mean, it sounds, so far it sounds like a theology class. Jesus, why are you called word? Why aren't you called idea? Why word? The purpose of word, as opposed to idea, an idea stays inside of me. If I turn my idea of history or philosophy or pasta carbonara, it's because I want to share that idea with you. So what God is telling us in these first couple of verses of St. John, I want to share my inner life with you. What is friendship? but sharing mutual inner life. When I have a conversation with a friend, why am I exchanging words with a friend? Why do I want to talk to a friend? Why do I call, why do I call a friend? Why do I email a friend? Why do I text a friend? Why do I have lunch with a friend? And I may even forget about what I'm talking about. Because when I speak, words become a medium of a relationship. I knew this young man. I have all, part of my prayers and tensions for both guys and, and young women is that they find the right person. Okay? Well, this person, one of these um, Catholic dating services online, but you know, this is super long distance. He lived in Chicago, she lived in Manila. So, okay. But miracles could happen. He fell in love with her uh, electronically. Uh, the medium was words, but via cyberspace, you know. And he said, listen, we're super serious. I go, uh, where does she live? Does she, I, I presume she lives uh, nearby. No, no, she lives far away. Oh, next state? No, next continent, or not even next continent, in Asia. She lives in, in Manila. Uh, I said, uh, and you, 
you're pretty serious? He said, yeah, I think we may get engaged. But we got to be prudent, he said. I go, amen. You know? <laughs> and I said, well, how are you going to exercise prudence? Well, she's going to come for a year and you know, maybe get a job because we gotta, I, I got to talk to her. I go, wow, brilliant. And he said it. He said, well, you know, if we talk to each other, we, we, we like each other, but that's going to enhance our affection for each other, and then we'll get engaged. But we, we got to get to know each other. And so words are this medium that creates a bond of love. And so, who is Jesus Christ according to these words of St. John? Jesus is the translation of God's love in visible form. It's God put into our own language. I remember, this was even before the fall of communism, and I ran into a, a Russian officer who defected at that time out of the Soviet Union. And he was, I would say, agnostic atheist and kind of a rough character. And he was criticizing our criminal justice. He was uh, telling me that we need more summary executions. I said, oh. I said, no, that, that's no. And I said, listen, this is a Christian culture. We don't do that here. And he said, I said, are you Christian? He says, no, I'm not. I don't believe in anything. And he said, can you tell me what's so special about Christianity? I had to leave in five minutes. So I said, well, I said, I got to leave in five minutes. So, well, tell me, what you, tell me as much as you can in five minutes. I said, well, we believe that God created the universe, that God created the world. A Christian believes that that God was born of a woman and was born in a stable and became a carpenter, taught, worked miracles, and got beaten to death and died on the cross and rose from the dead. I wish... Well, Phones with cameras didn't exist then. But the guy was totally shocked. He said, you believe God became a baby and then got beaten to death on a cross? I said, yes, we do. We believe that God became human and stayed being God. I mean, it was beyond arguing. It was beyond laughing, beyond insult. And I guess it was providential. So I said, Boris, see you later. <laughs> so I don't know what ever happened. But he was co completely blown away. What, there's so much that 
Jesus tells us about God. But there's a number of things. And maybe I could illustrate this with um, an answer to a journalist by, again, St. John Paul in his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope. Journalist said, why doesn't God give us some kind of sign? And he doesn't exactly answer the question directly. He says, our God has gone way too far. And, and Pope Francis is running with the ball with this heavy emphasis on mercy. But let's start with this illustration first. His God has gone too far. In what sense? Our God, and that's what we're celebrating now and preparing ourselves, became a little baby. But not in a beautiful, silk-covered, jewel-bedecked crib in a castle, but it's sort of someone telling us, listen, three, three houses down in that garage, you know, there's, uh, there's lawnmowers and shovels and garbage pails and, you know, a cat. And in the wheelbarrow, there's a little baby. And guess what? That little baby happens to be God. So check them out. All right. That, that's what, that's, that gives you a little idea of what our God did. And so our God, we discover, is radically accessible and radically vulnerable. Now, St. Mary the Angels, we have these novenas every night. And uh, I know it's going to happen to me. Each, we, we, at the end of Mass, we go in the back and we greet the people. There's a lot of young people. There's a lot of little babies going. You know, they're chirping away. That's part of the liturgy. You know? So I tell the older people, don't frown on these young moms. We, wanna, we want them to keep coming. And, the, and that sound of baby crying and chirping is part of the liturgy. And so the moms are kind of happy, and they want me to hold their baby. Okay, so I play with them, and I'm getting better at it. At first, I'd hold them like a football, and they'd cry, but now I'm better at it, okay? You know, I'm just a clumsy, clumsy guy. And I, you know, kind of pull their ears a little bit, and they make them smile, and tickle their chin, and talk baby talk. All right. Now, you, you're much better at that than me. I know that. You know, you're gentle women with motherly instincts. But if I talk that way to my close friend or even to one of my siblings and went up to my <laughs> sister, my brother, and pulled their ears and pinched their nose, that would, that would put a big strain on our relationship. You know? And I could say, well, listen, you're, you're my sister, you're my brother, you're my best friend. Uh, you're accessible to me. Accessibility has its limits. You're not pinching my nose and you're not tinkling my chin and you're not going to talk baby talk. You know, if we're going to stay friends. But you're expected to do that with a little baby. Why? Well, because the baby is totally vulnerable and totally accessible, and you just lavish affection that you wouldn't lavish on somebody else because of the nature of being a human baby. And so that's God's act number one. What's going on? I want you to come to me. I want you to 
see how much I love you. I want you to have access to me. And what's the Blessed Sacrament all about? This is an idea of St. Jose Maria. He says, God has, I'm going to summarize in my own clumsy American language, God has been a big show-off, showing off his love. Uh, you know, he shows off in the stable. He shows off as a carpenter. He shows off on the cross, that's for sure. That's his greatest act of uh, love for us, or the culmination of his revelation of love. He says, but nothing beats the, the Blessed Sacrament. He says, that's the ultimate accessibility that I can have. I don't, have to, I don't need to buy tickets. I don't have to uh, be in a waiting room. I don't have to wait online. I got the real thing here. All to myself. He, you know, there's one of the perks of being God. He rigged away that I could have him all to myself. I could even receive him and be as close, closer than even when he was with his mother and his apostles when I received him in the Eucharist. And I could encounter him in confession. I'm with the divine healer. So it's all about accessibility. St. Paul, and it sounds almost disrespectful, but if it's good enough for the Holy Spirit, it's good enough for me. St. Paul summarizes the word made flesh, calling him our divine slave. Our God is our slave. It's almost jarring to say something like that. It almost sounds irreverent, but it's his fault, not our fault. That's what he wanted to do. And he only boasted once in the gospel. And he, how does he boast? He says, I, have, I, I am the one who serves. I have come to serve and not to be served. It's, we could get a little bit of a glimmer, and that's of, of the Lord's love for me and you. It's, and love is always very concrete. It's very individual. It's very personal. And, and you know, we all know that. We have our friends. We have our siblings. I bet all of you have a, a unique relationship with all your close friends. And it's not a cookie-cutter relationship. Each person, each, each, each form of love matches the person, person's temperament, the person's character, the person's personality. And... So this, so we get a little bit of a glimmer here. And St. Josemaria says that we've got to put ourselves in this line of people. Lazarus, who was Jesus' friend, he wasn't an apostle, but he was a buddy. He gets really sick. I guess he's, maybe he's in a coma. And so the sisters send a message to Jesus kind of a curious way of referring to Lazarus. What, how, what do the sisters say? The sisters don't say, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, your buddy Lazarus, your buddy Laz is sick. <laughs> All right? Uh, you know, you got to get here quick because it doesn't look so good. You know, he hasn't, you know, his fever hasn't broken. No, there's no mention of the name Lazarus. So the sisters sent him saying, Lord, to whom, excuse me, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. He whom you love. Uh, 
I don't know if that's ever happened. It hasn't happened to me. You call your friend on the phone, and, you know, mom says, Jody, the one who loves you is on the phone. <laughs> or even your boyfriend. I doubt that ever happened either, yeah, even, even though it's a reality. Uh, oh, it's Billy. Okay, who do you want? Jill. All right, that's Jill's Billy's uh, boyfriend. Uh, Jill is Billy's girlfriend, excuse me. Uh, and I'm sure mom is not going to say, Jill, the one who loves you is on the phone. You know, and if she doesn't, it's going to be a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. And we may say, well, okay, that's, perhaps that's uh, sisterly exaggeration. But it ain't. Because we fast forward. Jesus doesn't come on time. And... Uh, so what happens here? He's dead. He's been dead for four days. All right? And they, embalming wasn't at its best in those days. So, you know, he's buried far away, and Jesus is led to the burial site. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit, and troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. So it wasn't just the sisters. And what can be a good takeaway in the spirit of Pope Francis, who is really pushing this humanity of Christ, focusing on his mercy, his unconditional love for everyone. And we want to transmit that. Let's take to heart, and we finish, this advice of St. Jose Maria. It's kind of, I have distinguished, as it were, four stages in our effort to identify ourselves with Christ. Seeking him, finding him, getting to know him, loving him. It may seem clear to you that you are only at the first stage. Seek him then hungrily. Seek him within yourselves, with all your strength. If you act with determination, I am ready to guarantee that you have already found him and have begun to know him and to love him and to hold your conversation in heaven. Uh, that we want that to be the overarching disposition of these days, to renew this hunger to seek out Jesus in prayer, in offering work, in offering suffering, and loving other people. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for Thank you for listening to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. For more resources and podcasts like this one, go to stjosemaria.org. That is stjosemaria.org.